what's up guys i got nick garitano here the head baseball coach at southern nevada it's called csn here in henderson nevada just outside of las vegas coach garitano it was in his 10th year this year before we got stopped by this COVID 19 and he had spent 12 years at green valley as the head baseball coach here locally but nick man i want you to i want to thank you for coming on the channel today how's it going it's going well, Chad. I can't thank you enough, man. We're just all trying to get through each and every day. It's, it's definitely trying times, that's for sure. And as a baseball coach and in your world as a scout, I mean, it seems like everything's been pulled right from out from under us. I mean, your son plays baseball, my son plays baseball. Fittingly, they're on the same high school team. It's just there's a lot of void going on right now. It's just absolutely crazy. Yeah, it's, it's definitely uh, something we've never experienced before, and hopefully this gets over with pretty soon. But coach, I wanted to bring you on today. You have a, I feel is a very unique story is you're, you, CSN is one of the most decorated junior colleges in the program. They're ranked every year in the top 25. Um, I mentioned earlier in the introduction that this is, CSN is famously known for the school that Bryce Harper went to. And Tim Chambers was the coach at that time who we just lost and, and missed dearly. But CSN is, is really on the map every year is one of the top JCs. I want to talk about how you became the coach at, at CSN um, and, and kind of share your story because you were actually a football guy and you have a unique story. So uh, if you, yeah. tell us your story about how you became a coach at CSN, but by playing football. Chad, it's a, it's a very interesting story to be quite frank with you. And some people I think you're going to get a kick out of this, but, I'm going to date back a long time ago here. It might take me a little while, but just like, uh, you know, just cut me off if you need to. <laughs> um, you know, so when I was a kid, uh, I grew up around Chaparral High School, being the ball boy for football and the water boy for basketball and baseball, the bat boy and all that different thing, whenever my brothers were going to school there. So I grew up playing multiple sports, played football, I wrestled and played baseball. And uh, I, fortunately for me, I succeeded in football and baseball. Wrestling wasn't my cup of tea. It was the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. Did that for two years to try and stay in shape for, uh, for uh, football and baseball and to help me actually for football. Football was my passion. Uh, I think baseball was my first love. So anyway, uh, go through that. Had a really fun high school career. Won a state championship in baseball. And my junior year in high school, was when I knew I wanted to be a physical education teacher and a coach. Um, I saw what our coaches did, and I said, you know, I think I could do this. And, you know, in today's world, there's not a lot of kids at 16 years old that really know exactly what they want to do. For some reason, I knew exactly what I wanted to do. I was like, this is my calling. I want to stay around sports. So I wound up uh, playing football and baseball my junior and senior year and wound up getting a, a scholarship as a field goal kicker to UNLV. Um, for you guys looking in, you're like, oh, my gosh, that's the biggest kicker I've ever seen in my life. Uh, <laughs> for that reason, I actually played guard. I played some D tackle back then, nose guard, um, and some linebacker. And, uh, uh, and I also punted. So I wound up getting a scholarship, though, to be a field goal kicker. My freshman year at UNLV, I was awful, absolutely awful. It was crazy. <laughs> I was a 500 kicker, you know, or, well, in our, our game in baseball, if you're hitting 500, you're a phenom. When you're a 50% field goal kicker, you're basically get, getting ready to lose your job. So I, was, I went to UNLV with aspirations to play football and baseball. You know, Fred Dallimore was a UNLV baseball coach back then, and, and uh, I grew up playing against Brian Dallimore, his son. And uh, Fred wanted me to come out. 
and I had it. It was it was done with the football coach that he said you are allowed to go out in the spring. Well, I was so bad as a freshman. Um, I'm not afraid to admit it. I was really bad. Um, that my father and I talked, and we thought that it'd be a good idea to try and get a lot better in a hurry as a field goal kicker. So I wound up skipping out on baseball throughout college. Um, wound up getting my degree in, in uh, kinesiology out of UNLV, played four years, had a workout with the San Francisco 49ers back in 1996 as a field goal kicker, had a wonderful career, um, got to see the entire country for free. One nice thing about uh, football is every scholarship is a full-ride scholarship. It's not like baseball. you got to cut those things up. Um, so anyway, fast forward into teaching. So I got hired at Chaparral High School my first year, and I taught uh, – I taught physical education, I coached football, I coached wrestling, and I coached baseball. Well, after that first year, Roger Fairless, who you know very well, um, he asked me one day as I was the interim head coach at Chaparral as a 22-year-old, 23-year-old, um, he said, hey, would you have any interest in coming to Green Valley? And back then, Green Valley was like the Gorman of today. As you well know, it was great in every sport. It was uh, off the charts academically, which actually academically, I still believe Green Valley is one of the best schools in town. Um, everything was phenomenal. And uh, Larry Thomas, who the football coach was at the time, he also sort of, I don't know if you use the word recruit, uh, he contacted me whenever I heard I was interested in going to Green Valley. He said, will you play, will you coach football as well? So now here's Green Valley High School in football, who was just 11 and won the year before. The baseball team is phenomenal. They're winning state championships. These are in the, this, this is my years right around 1997. So I go to Green Valley High School and I coach football and I coach baseball. Well, I was Rogers Junior Varsity Baseball Coach. I was the offensive line coach and the special teams coach for Larry Thomas in the football program. Um, I had no idea what was about to happen a year and a half after that. Uh, all I wanted to do is go learn football through Larry Thomas, who was known as one of the better offensive minds in town. And I wanted to go learn baseball through the grandfather, the godfather of baseball in town, Roger Fairless. So I said, this is a great situation. Well, I coached JV baseball for Roger for a year. And then the second year, Roger took the CSN job in February. Um, well, Green Valley High School needed a coach. Well, the, the, per, the perfect solution would have been Sam Thomas. Problem is, Sam Thomas went to Las Vegas High School that summer. So now there was a few people that were applying for this job, me being one. At 23 or 24 years old, I can't remember the exact age. And Chad, you know as well as anybody, Green Valley baseball in the heyday was not a high school. It was more like a junior college. There was a lot of pressure. Uh, there was a lot of fundraising. There was a lot of parent parental involvement because it was such a powerhouse program so Roger told me he said I need you to take this program over and I said you're crazy there's no shot I'm doing this I'm 24 I came here to learn the game I'm not ready for this because man you need to you need to take this job over I need you need to do me a favor came home talked to my talked to uh my fiance at the time who I got married that year in April and uh and I talked to my dad, you know, my dad, I've always leaned on for sports answers and all that stuff. And, and uh, none of them thought it was the greatest idea, but they said, you know, it might not be worth it. It might not be a bad idea to try this. So sure enough, I take the baseball job. And here we are, we start off the season 0-3. Uh, every parent down there wants my head. Uh, it's real simple, Chad. No matter what would have happened that year, if we didn't win the state championship, we didn't. It's because Roger wasn't there. 
if we would have won it because they're Rogers kids. So I was in a no lose, no win situation. However, I grew so much that one year as a person, um, as a 24 year old, got married, getting my master's, bought a house and basically coached the junior college baseball team at the high school level. Uh, from there on out, we wound up winning the state championship. That was 1999 that I took that job over. We won the state championships in 2001. Pretty cool. Still had the still had the ghost saying, "Well, you spoke Rogers mainstays." Here's the thing that I like to tell people now that I'm 47 years old and sort of have created my own uh, career in this. The team that we won it with, what was so cool was the first year I went to Green Valley. That was our JV team, and I coached that team, that JV team. So it was pretty neat to see them on the field two years later, and we won the state championship together. Whereas two years before that, we were practicing at Wells Park. I was dragging Silver Bowls field with my truck and the drag, dust was everywhere. So it was really neat. So we won in 01, and then we won again in 03. And it sort of stamped the approval of, okay, maybe you can do this um, in baseball. And that was sort of a little bit of a feel in the thought process I felt in the community because everybody knew me as you, you led into this as a football guy. Yes, I was a football guy. I played football. My mind was in football, but I was also in love with baseball. And I learned it through a lot of really good people. And I wanted to keep learning it. Um, my goal was to be around the best baseball guys that I could to try and catch up for the time that I missed in college. And I surrounded myself with really good baseball minds. And uh, stayed down there 12 years. Um, you know, Tim Chambers, uh, God bless him, he's upstairs. A great friend of mine. We always golf together. Uh, I used to go to lunch with Tim all the time. We used to talk about sport, high school sports, and what's going on. And, and to be quite frank with you, I'd actually help him recruit. Um, I'd sort of bird dog for a college as we were playing different teams. I'd say, Timmy, you need to call this kid. I'm telling you, I've only seen him once, but this kid can play. Um, so anyway, when Tim was getting ready to go to UNLV, there was about six of us rumored to possibly get the CSN job. And it came down to Chris Sheff and I. And uh, they hired Chris Sheff who was at Bishop Gorman, who turned into now the old Green Valley of the 90s. Um, you know, I like to call it Bishop Gorman University up there on the hill. It's a gorgeous campus. Um, Chris did a wonderful job. I think he won five straight uh, state championships. Nick Day came in, did a great job. of Old teammate of yours. Those guys just had that thing rolling. Well, anyway, CSN hired Chris. And I knew that it was, to me, it was sort of a re rejuvenating time for high school baseball, spending – uh, 12 years in it. Um, everybody, when you're in something for 12 years, you wonder what could be next. And I was no different. I wondered, could I do that junior college job? And here's this old football guy now thinking he could take it to college baseball job. Um, so anyway, they hired Chris. And uh, it told me uh, the good Lord's plan to me was I meant to be at Green Valley High School. So that fall was really intense. Um, we really got back after it and and we had a team that we we had four freshmen from four years prior to that um that we knew that this group had a chance to win this thing to break this streak of gormans and get green valley back on top fast forward to november uh november 5th or 6th of that year of 2010 i got a call back from csn and they asked me they said uh, we've had a coach. We've had to dismiss our coach. Are you still interested? And I said, absolutely not. You had your opportunity. I'm happy where I'm at. 
And uh, Tim Tamers caught wind of this. And he calls me back and he goes, hey, you big dummy. You know, Tim and his voice, hey, you big dummy. I thought you wanted to do this. They had their chance. Um, I'm not, I've never thought that I was great at what I do. I've always thought that I'm a really good person that's honest with people that do things right ethically. Um, and I knew that I was going to crawl into a, a hornet's nest out there. I knew that some NJCAA violations happened. Uh, through everything that I had heard. I knew that the NJCA was going to hammer our program. Anyway, spent a couple days talking to my wife, really not wanting to do it, Chad, really not wanting to do this, wanted to stay at Green Valley. I thought there was a, it was a sign I'm not supposed to go. She finally said, you know what, here's what we need to do. You need to try this. I could tell you want to do this. You're not sold yet, but you need to try it. If you don't try it now and you don't ever do it, you're going to think, why, why didn't I try this? Take a leave of absence. I get a hold of the school district. They said I could have a leave of absence. So I went and did it for a year. Worst year of my life. Uh, the kids there, um, the kids wanted no part of me. Um, they were there when Chris Sheff and his staff were there. Um, to be quite frank, this is going to sound awful for you, all you listeners, but there was five times that I was like, why did I leave Green Valley? I had it made down there. Um, I'm at a place where nobody wants to play for me or my coaches. Um, anyway, we get through the year. A very talented group. We underachieved. I credit that to my lack of knowledge uh, in junior college baseball. Um, I credit it to kids not wanting to go that extra mile. Um, and, uh, you know, I've always taken blame for that year. But anyway, we go through the next two years. We were hammered by the NJCA, lost 10 scholarships for two years in a row. So it really took us four or five years to get back on track with full scholarships versus all the other powerhouses in the country. And uh, we, so we coached that year of 2011 and then 2013, we won our first league championship. And then we started getting our niche um, in 15, we sort of took off. And over the last five years, we played in the Western district championship three times. We've been to the world series. We've won the league five out of six years. We think that we have an idea of what we're doing now. Um, Brian Gids, my pitching coach is without him. I, I wouldn't be doing this anymore. Um, he's the guy that I lean on for everything. He brings in 15 to 18 arms every fall and coaches every one of them um, as, as whether they're the number one guy or the 18 guy, he coaches them all the same. He's just so instrumental in our success. Uh, Sean Larimer has been with me for seven or eight years now. Uh, Mike Eswell has been with me for five or six years and we just brought Matt Stoner on. And in between that, we had some guys that were very instrumental in the success. Brian Maloney did a great job for a few years. He made a family decision to watch his son play baseball his junior and senior year. Can't knock him on it. Chad, one thing about junior college baseball, nobody gets rich. Um, a lot of guys put a lot of time in for a minimal amount, amount of money. We had Dan Jaffe, who's now at Georgia Tech. Um, James Loney was with us for a little uh, point in time who played in the big leagues. I'm sure you know James. Um, we, uh, we've gone through a lot of different guys this year. We've, we brought in Matt Stoner to do our catchers. Um, it's funny. We joke around with Matt and say, great. The year that we bring you in, man, the whole thing blows up, you know, the entire world just decides to stop sports and he laughs. Matt's a great guy. And also we're very fortunate this year to, uh, to have acquired Mike Dunn who spent 10 years in the big leagues, uh, who helps out with coach kids. But more importantly, he talks to all the kids about mentality, um, about what it's like, you know, you lived it. Um, every one of these kids are dreaming what you went through of what Mike went through. And it's just, it's such a blessing to have him out there because 
I like asking him questions. You know, I'm like, Mike, what would you do? Or he goes, Skipper, listen, I was a player. I'm learning this through you guys as well. You know, like I want to see the decisions that you're making. Are they the right ones? Are they the wrong ones? Because if I want to do this, I want to learn. So now being 47, being able to get and help Dan, the Dan Jaffe's or, you know, the Sean Larimer's or even a Brian Gidge, if he gets the opportunity or a Mike Dunn who played 10 years in the big leagues to have an opportunity to, to be able to talk shop with them. And, and when they call you back and say, Hey man, thank you so much for helping me on this. I'm like, this football guy helped that big leaguer, like, wait a minute. So it's really came full circle. But anyway, like I told you, Chad, I can talk. Um, that's my full story. So now here we are um, waiting for this thing to get done so we can get out and watch some kids play baseball, whether it's your son or my son. I don't care if it's a seven-year-old t-ball game. We just need to watch some baseball. No doubt. Yeah, we, we're all itching to get out on the field. It's, you know, it, the, the sanity is is – we're trying to just get, just get out there. Like we, we just here in Vegas, they just said, Hey, we got two more weeks now. And you know, when we thought we were getting to the point where hey, we can go out a little bit more and do the things we need to. And I don't know, everyone's doing their own thing is kind of what I noticed in that regard. Um, but as a coach now, you have a, you have, absolutely school, you have high school kids coming into the junior college area or the arena, you could say, what is that like from a – what do you see from their mentality? Because a lot of these kids were really good in high school. Uh, maybe things change at the junior college level where maybe they're not, quote, the dude anymore, and they gotta, they got to earn a position again. What, what do you see in a mindset of a freshman coming into junior college? Oh, man, it's such a roller coaster ride, Chad. You know, you get the first meeting, and, and you do. You have all the dudes in the room. And you know what? We, we give them their accolades. I tell them all, I make them all stand up. A lot of kids hide behind phones anymore. You know, the texting and the phones, I think it's awful for communications. I think that's why kids struggle in communications 101 so bad. Um, they're not comfortable that face-to-face -face stuff. So I make them all get up the first meeting, and I have them brag about themselves. And that entire room of 40 guys that comes in, they hear of all the All-State guys and the All-Americans and the guys that have won a national championship in Legion or, you know, or the bounce back that was a, a – seventh rounder that decided he wanted to be drafted I have them talk about all that stuff I want them to pump themselves up so they understand the talent that's in the room it's not like the typical high school where yeah you have four guys typically every year that know they're going to play every day and it's not really a competition uh the, the coach is sort of stuck okay you're 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 my one through four hitters you're going to hit one through four just don't get in trouble so I don't have to discipline you <laughs> now that's the, that's the start of the roller coaster. Then you get going, you get out there, and you start breaking off in your groups, and the kids see, and they're like, oh, my gosh. There's 10 infielders. There's nine outfielders. There's 18 pitchers. There's five catchers. Oh, wow. That guy can throw the ball as hard as I can. That guy hits it as far as I do. And then you start seeing them start to panic a little bit, and you see their, that confidence level start sort of dropping a little bit to a certain degree, which is really tough, and we see it every year. That's where we come into play to keep reminding them of, hey, what did you tell all 40 of those kids in that meeting? Who are you? You're the same guy. You're that same player. You're just around better now. So the thing is, is 
you are going to get better through sheer competition every day in practice. And that's what our program is designed. And, and that's why we're successful, in my opinion. It's not because we're bringing in better kids than that guy or whatever the case is. A lot of it says it's recruiting or, you know, we outwork this team or that team or whatever the case is. We feel that the sheer competition on a daily basis brings out the best in every athlete. And that's the biggest difference that I see between high school kids and college kids. You go around, we get so many different kids that come from different types of programs. You know, your son and my son play at Green Valley High School. We get kids from Desert Oasis High School. We get Coronado kids, Bishop Gormigans, Palo Verde kids. You name the school, basic high school. All of them have their own identity. That coach has their own style. Those players play with a different type of energy. Some are more vocal and boisterous. Some are more the Silverado kid. I have to call Brian Whitaker out. It's the freshest, oldest brand of baseball. You never have to worry. I've never had an issue with the Silverado kid. Why? Because it was never allowed at Silverado. They simply run on and off the field like you used to have to and like I made my high school kids always do. They don't open their mouth. If they hit a fly ball to the pitcher, they're on second base. Um, it's a breath, breath of fresh air. But anyway, you get different programs, not naming anybody, but they allow a little bit more. Um, they allow a little bit more of the personality to come out that actually has driven the, the uh, Nevada Interscholastic Athletic Association and baseball. That This year they implemented a, um, a rule in bench jockey. And the player and the head coach is immediately ejected. There are no warnings. Um, it was getting that out of control. So why am I talking about this? Because that's what we deal with at the junior college levels, all those types of kids. So the mindset of them, it comes in really, really confident. And then they get humbled because the hitters are facing better pitching. Um, the pitchers are facing better hitters. And then as the entire fall progresses and they start getting their feet in the ground and they understand the expectation then all of a sudden you start seeing that confidence come back in that young man and now you've got the kid that you recruited for a couple months you you've helped out with that dodger scout team you see it at times we look like an absolute train wreck i tell berlin all the time i said berlin don't judge us man we're a house under construction in the early we are figuring stuff out i'm going to challenge guys in different things but that's all part of the process so our goal is by the end of the year to create a family feel. And uh, you see all those kids pulling on that same end of the rope. And then before you know it, you've got a great product on your hands. Whether you win at the end or not, you feel like your team achieved. Um, so that's the biggest thing is, is them to understand that they're around a lot better players on a daily basis. Um, and they get humbled a little bit because they have been the big dog. They are that big fish in the pond. And then all of a sudden in junior college, they be, sort of become the trout. You know, they're not the big shark, they're the trout. Mm -hmm. um, if you go to Division One baseball or pro ball, you're probably the guppy, um, you know, unless you were the 1-1. <laughs> one, one, or in your situation, you got drafted pretty well. Um, a lot of these guys are going between 35th and 40th round. They're that little guppy swimming around just to try and fight and make it. My favorite story is a buddy of mine, Dave Risky. Back then, he got drafted in the 56th round as a shortstop. Wound up pitching in the big leagues for 10-plus 11 years. You know, so for anybody listening to this, if you're a kid listening to this, never give up on any dreams, uh, on any hopes. When you go to college, it's going to be an eye-awakening experience. Do me a favor and be a sponge. No coach is ever out there to hurt you. We're only here to help you try and advance your game and try and turn you into better men.
that's a great point that no coach is out there to hurt you. Like you were saying, you were coach Mike Dunn who played over 10 years in the big leagues. And I would be the same way. If I came to work for you, say tomorrow, and I was helping at CSN as an example, like I had playing experience. I have scouting experience. The coaching experience is, is a completely new thing. Right. And it's, and that's being a sponge as a 18, 19 year old kid coming from high school that, yeah, maybe you played for a really good program, you know, but it's, as you know, at CSN, there's a whole mixture of kids from in town, maybe a couple from California, Colorado, kind of really everywhere um, that come into your program. They say, oh, wow, these guys are working really hard. <laughs> I've seen your practices before there. And it's, you know, it's, you can be loud or boisterous and, and making sure they're doing the things they need to, to get better every single day. And that's, I think, one of the reasons you guys have been so successful is you have a, a regimented program that you put yourself in a position to go get better every day. And it's been pretty cool to see. Now, yeah, it's fun. And we appreciate the, the compliment, Chad. We really do. But uh, it is, it's, it's tough, man. But these coaches grind their tails off. You know, we work all summer about what we want to do. And, and you know, I, I'm sort of an older school guy, to be quite frank with you. You've been around me plenty of times. I, people ask, what is, your, what is your style? Are you a coach's coach or a player coach? I said, I'm a coach's coach when I need to be a coach's coach, and I'm a player's coach when I need to be a player's coach. And in my opinion, that's who I am. You know, I never tried to be Roger Fairless when I first started. Roger was him. I've never tried to be Tim Chambers. Um, never tried to be anybody but who I want to be and who I feel comfortable with. Um, because at the end of the day, you got to look yourself in the mirror and say, was that, is that you? Did you give them everything you had today? And 99.9% uh, .9 of the time I come home and I can answer yes. And that's, that's gratifying. That's awesome. Let's talk about, I think a lot of people maybe don't, maybe they're not even aware of how this kind of works, but at the junior college level, you mentioned a, a few minutes back that you get kickbacks, meaning you get a D1 player that was not on your roster or practice roster in the fall, but has been let go from a D1 school for various reasons. Uh, you had one this year. Usually there's one or two maybe every year. Walk us through that process. How does that all work for you? It's really interesting how that works. I mean, we've had, we've had a, we have, like you said, we've had a quite a few bounce backs. And one of the reasons, the biggest reason to be honest with you, Chad, is, is kids that have success uh, their freshman year, they want to come and get back draft eligible at the junior college level. You're draft eligible every year. As we all know, in the division one game, it's either after your junior year or until you're 21 years old. So some of the guys like our, our, our biggest bounce back we ever had was back in 15, a gentleman by the name of Phil Bickford. Phil Pitts at Cal State Fullerton, freshman All-American, phenom. First rounder out of high school. Why he didn't sign, I'm not quite sure. Wound up as a first-team All-American in, in, uh, in college at Fullerton. Went to the Cape Cod League, played with the uh, YD Red Sox. Got the award for the relief pitcher of the year. It was in August. Uh, got a call, actually, from a junior college coach in California that heard that Bickford wanted to go to a junior college, but there was no shot that they were going to get him and they didn't want to face him in their league. <laughs> so it's funny how networking goes and, and I get this call. So I have to, I had to go through the advisor. I had to go through the advisor. I couldn't get a hold of the kid. I had to go through the advisor and a kid like Phil who wind up a seventh, he was the 17th pick in the first round that year and 15 for us. Um, I had to recruit the advisor. 
once we recruited the advisor, it got to a point. I said, I, I don't want to mention his name, but I said, listen, I need to talk to the parents. Like, I, <laughs> I, I think we're close here. I just need to let them know who I am and all this different thing. So we've had that situation. We've had situations with kids that uh, we had a young man this year that was at a prestigious Division I, big Power Five conference school, decided to come our way that it just wasn't working for him. He didn't feel that he was getting what he needed to further his career. He uh, decided that he wanted to get out. Uh, we recruited him out of high school, saw him at the area code tryouts down in uh, – Arizona uh, a couple years ago and Mike Esrall found out that the kid wanted to leave where he was at so when that happened I reached out to the division one coach to find out what the case was and and he said yeah he's decided to leave I asked if there's any issues no just didn't work out we recruited him it took him a long time to make a decision and he was a pretty good arm I think if the whole year keeps panning out there were multiple clubs that were very, very, very interested in this kid. I would never guess around on the kid because I've tried to guess rounds and I've been so off it's not even funny. Um, <laughs> but the kid was a high-profile guy, and he was really starting to take off in March. You know, his numbers were getting up there. And then we've had other guys that get hurt or guys that leave Vegas that, that go off and they start missing home or they get to that Division One and – and just like in junior college, they get there and they see the competition. And the difference between junior college, for everybody listening, I mean, that the obvious, but, you know, a big part of our recruiting tool is at the junior college level, you're competing against freshmen and sophomores. At the Division One level, you're recruiting against freshmen, sophomores, juniors, and seniors. And a lot of times, I like to ask the kids a question, how many of you guys started as freshmen on your high school baseball team, on your varsity high school baseball team? And some of them raise their hand but the majority of them do not. And uh, I said, okay, that's a difference. Your JV team, freshmen and sophomores, you probably started. Your varsity team that had four classes, it was a tougher road to be a starter. Unless you're, you know, there's guys that do it. Don't get me wrong. I'm not fashion D1 at all. I'm giving the side of junior college and how we, I'm answering the question. Mm -hmm. So that's our process. You know, we'll get kids that go to the D1. They don't like it. There's too many guys. Then they come knock back on our door. And uh, more times than not, we give those kids the opportunity. I will tell you that not every Division One bounce back works out. Mm -hmm. You have different attitudes. Mm -hmm. um, we've been fortunate that our guys that have came back, uh, I'd have to say if we had 10 of them, and there's more, just taking a round number, that eight of them have really bought into what we've done. They've been great teammates, number one, which is the most critical part in baseball, in my opinion. And, and two of them have been, hey, man, I was just at a D1. This, I'm above this. You're not above this. You're not even in our starting rotation, genius. Or you can't even crack our starting lineup. Um, you know, so a lot of times the thing is, is when kids leave programs, unless it's for the draft situation, it's not because they were a starter and everything was going well. They typically get out because something wasn't going the right way. And that whole process for us has helped us. We don't let it hurt us, meaning if we do have a Division One bounce back, that's not buying into what we do at the end of the fall, we simply just let them go. Um, I've actually had some interesting questions from scouts. Like, how did you let that guy go? I go, because you don't have to coach him every day. You don't have to try and create a family that the chemistry is getting blown up. So, you know, hopefully that answered that. That's the route that we go with the, uh, with the uh, bounce back situation. And, and uh, if you are listening, you are a potential bounce back, believe me, 
we listened to you and we've made a really good living off of mouse backs as long as it's the right fit. Yeah, no doubt. I think that what you mentioned, like some people buy in, some of these players buy in or they don't. And they're at this young age where, let's face it, the, the ego ego has been damaged a little bit, right? They, they've gone from a D1 and, and in their minds, they've gone a step down or two. Oh, I'm now at this junior college level. What's interesting is that when I, when a player asked me, I was like, look, in the state of Nevada, we have CSN and UNLV. There's, we have two schools, which is kind of unique. And I don't know if that's like that around the country, but I know back East, it's way different. But here, if you play at CSN, you're going to get, if, if you're a pro guy, you're going to get scouted just as much, if maybe even more than, than you will at UNLV. It's the same thing. Because we know, let's face it, you look at your rotation this year with, we won't name names, but you have a pretty, really good rotation. Any one of those guys could go pitch at UNLV, right? I, I've seen the rotation there, and not to knock them, but what I'm saying is those guys can go to a junior college, continue to develop. Maybe they don't play a freshman year. Maybe they start getting more time sophomore year. This individual you're talking about now who would be a junior next year, the school that he's going to go to, he's probably going to be their Friday guy. Mm -hmm. unless, unless they just get someone that's that much better. But my point is you can grow. And that's what I wanted to ask you is how much growth do you see in just one year with a junior college player? Oh, man. The biggest thing, Chad, to be quite honest with you, we notice is a physicality part of it. You know, just at that age, that the, the biggest thing is a physicality. You know, you, you get that age, that 18 to 19-year-old. These kids are just starting to get into that, what we've all called man strength. You know, I remember I think I hit mine like my junior year of college, right about 20, 21, strong as an ox. And it just clicked like, whoa, wow. <laughs> if I'd have had this as a kid in high school, like, that 55-yarder would have been a 75-yarder, you know, or that 365 bench would have been a 460, you know, whatever it is. Um, there's a lot of growth on the physicality side of it, but you really see the growth their first year on the maturity level because they're held accountable in our program. You know, there's a lot of, like you and I are just talking about, there's a lot of different programs that kids come from that are allowed to do different things. When you hold kids accountable on a daily basis, if they're coming from a situation that they might've been able to do what they wanted to do and they still played that position and hitting the three hole that day, mm -hmm. which a lot do, you know it as well as I do. I'm not knocking anybody. I'm speaking facts. Um, just call, get a hold of me the year I retire and I'll really spill the beans. Um, <laughs> but it, when you hold them accountable, you see them grow up. And we've got a young man that's from out of state that was in our rotation. Um, his biggest, his biggest thanks to us is helping him grow up as a young man and help him mature. So, Coach, I had no idea what I was doing in high school. I was that good. Like, I could do whatever I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. He goes, here, the best thing that ever happened was when we were in the fall and I was five minutes late to weights. I wasn't allowed to play in that weekend's fall games against Fullerton. And my mom and dad came down and they had no idea. <laughs> and I said, have you talked to your parents? Do they know this? And they go, not yet, because he didn't want to talk to them. I, want, I made sure to talk with mom and dad while they were down there after the game and said, okay, such and such, let's tell mom and dad why you didn't play today and why you're not playing tomorrow. 
the dad shook his head hand out, put his hand out, shook it before back when we could shake hands. Um, <laughs> he put his hand out and shook my hand. He said, thank you so much. He's not known any better. And it's not a knock on dad. Um, it's not a knock on cut. It's just, it's a matter of it's, it's how he was. It's how he grew up. So we really like to see them grow, you know, and there's nothing more rewarding Chad at the end of a kid's second year when the, when the parents, we don't talk a lot with parents to be quite frank with you. Um, you know, we recruit them, we talk to them through the recruiting, but we've never talked playing time with the parent. We're not going to do that. It's, it, we did, I didn't do it in high school. I'm not definitely not going to do it in college. Um, but when the parent at the end sends you a text or they call you and say, thanks for everything, but most importantly, thanks for helping my son grow up to be a man. Um, and that's our goal is to try and raise, to help them become better husbands and better fathers. Uh, there's tough times in that clubhouse. There's tough times on that field for these kids. That old football mentality comes out. And sometimes these kids need that. They haven't had it. There's a lot of sugarcoating in life anymore. You know as well as I do. Uh, my wife gets mad at me at times when I get too tough on our kids. Um, but I think that everybody needs that, that little firmness because they may have to work for somebody a little bit later in life that's going to be firm with them, and they have to know how to handle that. And I don't think it could hurt them. I think there's a big difference about tearing a kid down and, and, and not – bringing him back up um, rather than tearing him down and then making sure that one of your four assistants, if you're not the guy as the head coach, if you're the one that tore him down, Hey, go get this kid over here. Now let's get him right back to where we need him. But we needed to flatline him for a second because he needed that. Sometimes kids get a little bit too big for their britches. Um, we've all been through it. You probably saw it in your pro career uh, with different players. Uh, you've seen it in the scouting. Like, my gosh, this kid's so talented. Look at his actions. Like, I don't know if I even want to turn him in because of this circus that I'm witnessing. If he does this in pro ball, he's either going to get beat up or he's going to get released. Um, and that's something that we try and make sure we don't allow our kids to bench jockey. Uh, a lot of junior colleges do. Um, there's a couple teams that we play that are rivals, not even in our league. I hate playing them because you're so worried about what's coming out and how your kids are going to react. You trust your kids because you implement things into them and you know that they know the expectations, but they are 18 and 19 years old and they do have slip ups. And then there's been situations I said, you know what? I'm not taking it because the umpires wouldn't control it. I told an umpire, you better take control of the situation for you have an absolute sick situation on your hand an out of control situation. Sure enough, they didn't do it. I told our dugout, I go, Hey, have fun. One time in my life, I've done that. I couldn't take it. I mean, they were verbally like attacking our kids and laughing at our kids and our kids were being taken out of their games from it was so bad. Mm -hmm. But anyway, I know I went around in circles there again. Like I said, I'm Johnny Longwood, man. I'll talk forever. <laughs> no, that's awesome. It's something that it kind of came to my, my thoughts here when you were talking about your players, you're obviously, you're a dad, you're a father figure to these young kids. And I think that's what parents are kind of looking for in a way when they, okay, here's my son, they're going to school now, you're with them every day. Uh, without naming any names, have there been stories or any situations that players at some point decide, I'm done, I'm hanging them up. Um, maybe it's because of not playing time, they're not having fun anymore. Any stories like that stick out to you that you've come across? 
Yes, unfortunately, yes. And it's the, it's the saddest thing. I've shared tears with kids in our office. The day that a kid decides to hang their cleats up, you start to wonder if it was something that you did as the, as the, the boss. And Chad, I'm going to be frank with you that the situations that I've had in this, that phrase comes out every time. And uh, I don't know if they've lied or not, but they've said, coach, it has nothing to do with you or any of the other coaches. More times than not, what I found out the answer to this is, is the game, as it keeps going, it becomes a job, more of a job. Um, they're in the weight room at 5.30 in the morning. They go to class all day. They practice from 2.30 to 5.30. They go home, they shower, they eat, they study, they get up and do it again. Some kids aren't up for that. Yeah. Uh, they realize that they just don't have that. They don't want to do it. They'd rather get a job. They'd rather go to school. They'd rather get a job. They'd rather have money. There's no time to work as an athlete. I mean, if you do, you got to find an off day. We do work around kids' schedules, especially our, our kids that are paying their own tuition. Um, we try and help them as much as we can. You know, some stories that I've had uh, around this subject, I've had drag down knockouts in my office with kids. And it's almost like I have to be such that father figure that they didn't have and they won't accept it that three to four times into that drag down knockout of kicking a kid out of practice and and, and uh, I like to call it motivational techniques, not discipline techniques, not punishment. I'm going to motivate you to be on time. So you're going to get on this line and you're going to run 2,500s. Okay, that's motivation. That's not punishment. I'm going to motivate you to be on time. But when the kid finally gives in, like not in the, that he's hanging him up, but he's talking about giving him up and he's just going through a time in life that, that he's got off field issues. He's struggling in a class, you know, to be honest with you, they can have a, a relationship problem. These kids are humans just like we are, but they're, they're sort of a little bit more, uh, they're more soft in it. We've, we've sort of made of a little bit more of iron because we've been through the rigors for so long that we get it like, okay, this will blow over in a day. Been there, done that. Some of these kids go through that. Did they, did they break their phone? I mean, literally, I had a kid in tears one day because he broke his phone and he didn't have the money to get a new one. Well, you know, I know my kids are probably somewhere running around in this house on their phone. There's so many different things, but the situations with kids when they come in and decide to hang up their cleats, oh, it honestly, it tears your heart out. And when that situation does happen, Chad, with, with, with my situation, I, run, I really talk to them about staying in school to make sure they stay in school. And I also ask them what their next plan is. Okay, what are you going to do with all this downtime now? Because a lot of things go through your mind as the father figure. There's going to be a lot of free time now. If you're not up, you could stay up till one in the morning if you don't have class till nine o'clock. When you have weights at 5.30 and you're up at 4.30, you're probably not staying out till one in the morning. There's a lot of things they can do to fill in that huge void of time. And I'm hoping that I'm going to hear I'm going to stay in school and I'm going to get a job because they are adults. Once you get to college, you're an adult. In high school, I don't think many kids are really – not a lot of parents really make their kids work. Um, I, don't, I don't know if that's right or wrong. I don't think there is a right or a wrong. Um, I, never, I, I knew I never had to work as long as I was going to school and playing sports. But once college started in the summer, get a job. You know, you're a man now. 
go earn your gas money. So, you know, it, it's, it's not been easy, but I've been down that road before. It, it's it's gut-wrenching to hear a kid give it up. We try to talk them out of it, and we, we basically make sure that the kid's making the right choice by some of the questions that you ask without not going too far into, into diving into some of this stuff. Chad, I had a kid, I was painting foul lines this fall. I don't even know if I really should go into the story, but because if it got back out, I'd, I'd really get in trouble. Um, but there was... Uh, I was painting lines and a kid came out and he told me, he said, coach, I'm in a dark, dark place. Uh, and I was like, all right, so what do you got? And he mentioned a certain word. And uh, the I went like that with a liner, like, oh my gosh. Right. So, Come on, let's go. We're going to my office. We went in the office. I called his dad and, you know, I drove home that night in tears, mm -hmm. you know, um, not knowing if I was going to see this kid again. He was just that, that it was in that spot. So, you know, being a head coach, it's a little bit more than just knowing baseball and being able to teach baseball or even surrounding yourself with baseball people, you, you, you put a lot of hats on. <laughs> you, I mean, a <laughs> lot of hats on that the people that are out there saying, how hard can this be? Okay. Come do this for one week and let me give you five different scenarios. You're going to quit on day two. It's tough. So, so anyway, that's, I have dealt with it. It's, it's interesting to say the least. It sucks whenever they decide to decide that's it for them. Yeah, no doubt. It's they, they get to that point where I can't imagine what it's like. You know, I, I've shared stories about you when you love the game of baseball, you, it's your love, it's your passion. And then you get put in a position where you're actually not playing, you know, where you're you might pinch hit there. You might do this. So it's a completely different role. And then that just happens in, in pro ball. That, if that's happening every day. You're like, well, well, that better be happening at the big league level because otherwise this is going to suck, you know. But if it's happening in college, in, you know, in junior college, in high school, and you're not playing, much easier to say, okay, I'm going to – this is not fun now. I'm going to go do something. I, I'm a little bit more passionate about this. I love the game, but my passion is here. And that's, that's probably something – with the questions you were saying you were asking, you kind of dive into, okay, where are you at here with that? It's interesting to say the least what you hear at times when, when, when you run into those situations, that's for sure. Yeah. Well, awesome. As we, as we wrap this up, coach, what, uh, what would you say are some, you know, you, you've done some things that have been amazing. What would you say gives you your, your personal mental edge as you go throughout and live your life? You know, every day, every day, I think that you have to say, we talk to our kids all the time about decisions. You know, it's all about decisions and time management. How are you going to handle that, that time in your life? You know, you get so many hours in a day, how are you going to utilize them? For me, you know, it's like I like to share with the kids that the first decision you make, I ask them every year at the first meeting, I say, okay, what's the first decision you make every day? Well, some kids are like, am I going to shower? Am I going to? No. It's when that alarm clock goes off, do you hit snooze or not? That's the first thing you're going to do every day. That's your first of millions of decisions you're going to make every day. But for us, you know, Chad, honestly, in, in this profession, and, and I've told people, whether we ever get to the Junior College World Series again and win the thing, I'm not going to, at the end of the, the, the career in five, six years from now, I'm not going to look back and say, you, you did or you didn't win a championship and, and you were or weren't successful. We work, we work tireless, tires, whatever that word is. Uh, we work all the time on 
finding the next thing for our kids. As much as we tell our kids to be where your feet are, um, we work our tails off finding the next institution. Um, I think our work ethic is that of a lot of baseball people. It's, there are countless numbers of hours that you put in to network your kids to try and get to that next level to help them settle in and be able to play that season for that team, them knowing, okay, that part's done. Because the kids that do want to continue, they're always wondering what's next. And that's the hardest thing. We talked to our kids about being in the present on a daily basis. We talked to our coaches about being in the present on a daily basis. We recruit now. We don't worry about what happened in the past. As hard of a pill as this was to swallow, you saw our rotation. Our rotation was solid. This has been a very solid, hard pill to swallow. This is a year that every coach in the country probably says, well, this was our year. I physically believe in my heart and mentally you saw the rotation and you saw a couple of the back end guys coming. This had a shot to get to Grand Junction. Um, it really did. So this has been a tough pill. But, you know, just being uh, – we every day, a uh, big thing in our program, every day after practice or we preach is the word family um, and trying to get these guys to understand that at some point in life you're going to have to buy into a family feel and a team atmosphere um, as many – draftable kids want they all believe they are draftable and on the reality side there may be two or three a year um but every one of them raises their hand about wanting to be a draft pick and play in the big leagues and that should be their goals dreams and aspirations um we we those kids at times when they first come in they have a personal agenda and we try and do everything we can to get them on the team agenda mm -hmm. together we're going to achieve more i know that's a cliche um but I truly believe that that top five round pitcher, he needs some guys to play behind him. He needs some guys to make a couple plays to get, to make a great play every now and then, but more importantly, make the routine play behind me only make me get three outs on the hitting side. You got to have somebody behind him. Um, you got to be willing to bunt every now and then you got to be able to move the guy over. So we've really, really uh, stressed the team and the family feel of things. And I think that that's what makes us successful. Kids come in and they buy into it. Um, and if they don't, Chad, then simply put, it usually doesn't work out for them because we could sniff that out in the fall. Yeah, and I, I know scouting your team, I, I could almost sniff that out as well when I, when I kind of know how you guys are. I, I probably watch you guys more than anybody easily. And knowing how you run things, I, I can see if there's a guy not gelling in a certain way. I'm like, oh, man, this, it might not work out for this kid. <laughs> yes. Oh, absolutely. And there's guys there. You see them every year. And there's guys, especially in the fall, it's like, oh, man, we yeah. got to give him his due diligence, but this isn't working. <laughs> He's got to go. You know? Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, and that's, I guess, one of the biggest points I wanted to get across to, say, that young high school kid, because you bring up this conversation almost every year as our scout team in the fall, I help coach uh, here locally. We, all, we play your, your team which is really cool for the high school kids to play the JC kids about five to six or seven games. And every year you come up and you say, look, I know some of you kids are already committed to a D one school and, and, and some aren't, some are still open. You, you get a lot of those kids that end up coming to CSN. And it's interesting to see the ones that do move on that, that maybe go to a local D one, a D one that's close by or even the East coast. A lot of times they end up back 
with you because they went to that D1. They didn't play. They didn't sniff the field as a freshman. It was much harder than they thought. They miss home, and they end up at a JC. So my point of that is if you are that young high school kid that's a senior, especially if you're a senior and you're not committed, right, if you're not cool to dude, keep that junior college open because, you know, that's probably going to be, at the end of the day, the best fit for you because uh, the D1 could most likely not work out as a freshman. It's going to be a long freshman year. I couldn't agree more. I mean, you hit you hit that right on the head, and that's what we love to talk to him about, Chad, is, you know what, if I am a huge, huge, huge advocate of Division One sports. Huge. I mean, if you got the right offer and you got the right opportunity, go. It would be great to set your feet in the ground for four years. But if you don't, don't just settle for something that you're not happy with, um, that it's going to be a bad situation. If you're 40, if you're the 43rd guy invited into a Division One fall program with no money or anything, but you've got an awesome opportunity to junior college, whether being at CSN or another junior college, you know, it's like we, unfortunately, we can't take every Vegas kid either. Like, you know, V can't. But there's places for everybody to play. And we like to get as many local kids as we can. So if you're a high school kid listening out there, like Chad said, junior college is a great route. It's a great option. It's not below anything. There's many of bounce backs, as we talked earlier in this podcast, there's many of bounce backs that come in and go, oh, my word. There's as much talent out here as there was at my Division One school. And there's certain years that there really is. I mean, there's years that there's junior college. You've seen some of these teams come through here. These junior college teams are loaded with draft guys. Uh, Chipola came in here one year. They had 10 draft picks. Sanjak came in here two years ago. They had six guys, 95 or higher. You know, the, <laughs> the kid that went 16th was 98, 98 to 99.1 or something on our track man. It was incredible. Uh, you don't see that in Division One all the time. So I couldn't agree with you more, Chad. I appreciate you getting the ploy, you know, pulling that out there. And especially as a scout, a lot of young kids look up to you and, and uh, understanding that this is a viable option. It's not the backup route. We want kids that want to go to CSN. We want coyotes. We don't want kids that are like, well, I guess I'll go to CSN. Well, then don't come because we're a lot better than that attitude. Yeah, and that's how we like to operate. You know, we think we're good. We like to practice like we're the worst team in the country to get better. But when we play, our mentality is we're the best team in the country. You have to play with that confidence. We don't show it, but mentally, we have to believe it. That's awesome, Coach. Appreciate it. Well, hey, Coach, I appreciate you spending uh, well over an hour here. Awesome. But, man, I appreciate you coming on board. Hopefully we get out of this soon. You mentioned our kids are on the same high school team. So <laughs> we're trying to – we're not we're not watching our kids play this year, so that kind of stinks. But um, hopefully we get some more uh, some games in in the summer. Yeah. Right? And, but, again, I appreciate you coming on board and take care of yourself. Hey, thanks so much, Jeff, for having me, man. It was a blast. Awesome. All right, we'll see you. I'll talk to you. Bye-bye.